Shaykhin Yarab wa Shaykh Fayaz. Nightly Ramadan Reflections. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Wa bihi nasta'in. Was salatu was salamu ala sayyidina wa nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala ahli baytih at-tayyibin at-tahirin. In reflecting on the story of Adam and Eve, we can derive many moral and ethical lessons like we can in reality any of the anecdotes of the prophets of God. But specifically in regards to a reflection on this anecdote, we see that the cause of their departure, the departure of Adam and Eve, from the heavenly garden was the desire of their stomachs as they wished to eat from that tree. The desire to eat has been the downfall of many throughout history and has been amongst the most vicious ways for the human body to lose in the cosmic battle with the soul. The soul is constantly in a battle with the body. The more we feed the body with that which it wants, that which it really desires, like food and sleep and other sexual desires, the more energy it will have to overcome the soul of our spiritual nature. And the more we nurture the soul to the dislike of our body, the better potential one has to tap into their spiritual dimension. The human soul has the means for one to be victorious, but there's a prerequisite to doing and reaching that level of victory and success. God states within the whole Quran, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا That surely the one who is successful is the one who has purified that soul. But on the flip side, one also has the potential to lead themselves toward absolute destruction. And that's if they don't cultivate their souls. And they allow for the bodies to get whatever they want in terms of food and drink and sleep and desires to the detriment of the spiritual dimension that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us with. In a tradition, it is stated that God has created the human beings with two really important qualities. We've been created with the quality of the intellect and we've been created with the quality or the power of our own desire. God has created the angels only with the power of intellect and he has created the wild beasts that roam this earth only with the power of desire. But if we as a human being allow for our desires to overcome our intellect, our need to eat and our need to sleep and our need to procreate, then in reality we are worse than the wild beasts that roam this earth. But on the flip side, if we allow for our intellects and our spiritual dimension to overcome those desires and to allow for ourselves to channel those desires in a way that God mandates and obligates for us to do so, then we have the potential to reach and to ascend toward levels that are far higher than that of the angels. And perhaps the greatest means and mechanisms by which we are able to reach that height, a height far higher than the celestial angels that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created to be at His service, is by abstaining from food and drink, and to be careful of what we're putting into our stomachs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the whole Qur'an, فَلْيَنظُرُ الْإِنسَانُ إِلَىٰ طَعَامِهِ Then let man look at his food. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is trying to tell us that we need to be careful of what we're intaking into our bodies, not only specifically during the month of Ramadan, but through the midst of our lives. 
We need to be careful not only for our physical health, but as we mentioned in the previous episode, that whatever we intake in regards toward food and drink also has direct potential to lead to the detriment of our spiritual damage. Which is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Islamic law, mandates so many things which are forbidden. Because whatever we're eating, yes, some things they might have a good physical benefit to us, but God knows better that what we intake into our body is also going to impact and make an imprint on our spiritual dimension. And if the end goal of our creation is to be the greatest of servants of God, as we recite in the du'a, du'a kumar, we say, Allahumma j'alni min ahsani abidika naseeban indak. Oh Allah, allow for me to be the greatest of your servants in proximity to you, that we need to be able to be sure that what we're intaking into our body allows us to be of the best of supporters of members of our community so we have the sufficient energy to make an impact on the hearts that are around us but at the same time that we're not consuming things which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden from us because that's going to lead our souls toward losing in that battle against our bodies. The food that we eat in reality becomes the closest thing to ourselves and for many, the most important object in our lives. That's not necessarily a bad thing on a day-to-day basis, but if we allow for the thought of food to overconsume us in the same way that we overconsume it, especially during these days and nights of the holy month of Ramadan, we'll be really not bearing the fruit that God desired from us during these blessed days and nights. We prepare our days around our meals and the food that we eat is the means to provide our body with the necessary energy to work and to live. And in reality, that's incredibly important. But again, we need to be in a state of understanding that what we eat can potentially have an influence on our actions and on our behavior and, of course, our health in the future. And thus we are taught within the traditions of the Prophet وسلم, and his blessed family that not only should we be careful of what we eat but also how we eat as we have etiquettes that have been outlined for us in regards toward our traditions meaning etiquettes, meaning eating habits we are taught for instance within our traditions that before we eat we say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim in the name of God the most compassionate, the most merciful why? One reason is to recognize and to be mindful of the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before we eat. And we already know that God doesn't want us to overeat. So perhaps remembering God will help us remind ourselves that we don't want to be eating things that we shouldn't be eating. Secondly, we invoke God's mercy and His compassion before we eat because we have to understand that whatever is in front of us is out of the rizq and out of the sustenance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with. When there are plenty of people who don't have sufficient food, who don't have sufficient drink, or, or who don't have the sufficient wealth toward eating nearly what it is that we eat on a week-to-week basis, for them, many of them don't have that type of food for an entire month. We are taught within our traditions, for instance, that before and after our meal to perform wudu, again to be in a state of God consciousness, but the tradition states that if one does so, it increases our rizq, it increases our sustenance and divine bounties and blessings that he ascends or that he descends to us, inshallah. We are taught, for instance, when we're drinking water, that we should drink water in three sips. We should, 
and that we should and that we should recite Bismillah Rahman Rahim before every sip and after every sip say Alhamdulillah again invoking God's mercy and His compassion and at the same time praising Him for the fact that we have clean water to drink when we know people who are within this very country of ours in the United States of America don't have clean water to drink. So much of the month of Ramadan thus is in regards toward fasting, the etiquette of fasting, and specifically the aspect of abstaining from food and drink when it comes toward fasting. As we made mention in yesterday's episode, that fasting during the month of Ramadan is not only about abstaining from food and from drink. We are taught within a prophetic tradition, the Holy Prophet ﷺ, he states, When you are fasting, you should not speak ill of anybody, nor should you be rough and noisy. If anybody speaks ill of you or tries to argue with you, don't reply him, but respond to him or her that you're fasting. You know, during these days, in these incredibly long fasts, in the middle of the summer, it's really hot, it's really tough, you need some water, you need something to drink, especially in the earlier days when your body's still getting accustomed to fasting, we tend to get angry all the time. We tend to always get upset. It's important that we, whenever we are in the state of potential rage, to tell ourselves, wait, I'm fasting. Because again, fasting again is not only limited toward abstaining from food and drink, but it's about being careful of every single one of your actions, the way that you're dealing with people, so on and so forth. So don't only tell others that you're fasting, but sometimes you are getting angry at yourself. You need to take a seat take a step back and say, no, I'm fasting. In another tradition from Imam Ali alayhi salam, he states that fasting during the month of Ramadan for some people may not necessarily be a gain for them. He states, كَمْ مِنْ سَائِمٍ لَيْسَ لَهُ مِنْ سِيَامِهِ إِلَّا وَكَمْ مِنْ قَائِمٍ لَيْسَ لَهُ There are many who fast during the month of Ramadan, but they gain nothing from their fasting except from gaining in thirst and in hunger. And there are plenty of people who stay up at night in prayers, but they gain nothing in sleeplessness and exhaustion. The important thing that we need to understand is that fasting is not an end but rather it's a means to an end. That prayers are not an end, but rather they are a means to an end. In regards to our fasting, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, as we mentioned yesterday, لَأَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ The end goal is that so that you gain God consciousness, God wariness, mindfulness of the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in regards to our prayers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us that He has established prayer for us so that we are, are keeping ourselves away min fahsha'i wal munkar. That we're keeping ourselves away from bad deeds and vices and bad etiquette. The end goal of prayers is to make you a better person. The end goal of fasting is to make you God conscious. And if anything that you are doing in the midst of our if anything that we are doing in the midst of our prayers and in the midst of our fasting in reality are taking us away from the end goal, then at the end of the day Prayers just becomes an exercise. And fasting just becomes a means by which we starve ourselves from before dawn until dusk. And we're just 
thirsty the whole entire day because we're not really making an impact in terms of our spiritual progression. Which is why in another tradition, the Holy Prophet ﷺ, he states, the day of your fast should not be like any other day. When you fast, all of your senses, your eyes and your ears and your tongue and your hands and your feet, they must all fast with you. Because the end goal is to be in that state of consciousness. Furthermore, we have to understand that fasting is not only a ritual that is relegated specifically to the holy month of Ramadan, but is a means toward allowing for ourselves to really discipline our souls even after the month of Ramadan. Collectively, or starting individually and hopefully collectively and communally, we'll be able to follow in the prophetic practice, the sunnah of the holy prophet wasallam and that of his Immaculate Family, the Ahlul Bayt in regards toward fasting some days in every month of the Islamic calendar, or whenever we have the ability and potential to do so. Because fasting is certainly a means by which we discipline ourselves. But many people, for instance, they just don't have the physical capacity to fast during the holy month of Ramadan. Not only for those who are sick or the elderly or those who are young or uh, pregnant mothers, for instance, or those who are taking medication. But fasting is just something that is so incredibly difficult and physically after the month of Ramadan, we just can't do it. Nonetheless, we should still make our very best effort toward allowing for ourselves to start to consume less and eat less for that in itself is a means for us to spiritually discipline ourselves. It is said that one of the greatest scholars in contemporary history is a man by the name of Ayatollah al-Burajurdi. And it is said that one day he was teaching his class in the Islamic seminary and he got very angry at a student perhaps who was trying to just give him a hard time or asking questions, not really with the intention of gaining answers. And His anger overcame him and he got angry and he raised his voice toward that student of his and toward the rest of his class for not really focusing on the discussion that was taking place. This great, incredible scholar, due to his piety and mindfulness and God consciousness and taqwa, he went back and he made a promise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that because he got angry that one time, he was going to fast for the entirety of one year because of the fact that he raised his voice to his students in a means to discipline himself, to remind himself that he needs to be someone who controls his anger, especially due to the unique position and status of a great scholar and teacher that he was. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to be a reality for every single one of us every time we get angry at our family or our children or our colleagues or every time that we raise our our voice or every time that we commit any sort of sin or transgression that we have to make the intention that we're going to fast for an entire year. But we should try to see and try to examine our souls and examine ourselves and see how we can work toward implementing fasting abstaining from food and drink or just limiting our intake on a day-to-day basis as a means of self-disciplining ourselves after the month of Ramadan, inshallah, as well. I conclude with this particular tradition from Imam Amir al-Mu'mineen, alayhi salatu wasalam. 
He states, whoever is, present, whoever is prevented from food that he likes because of his fast. You know, during the month of Ramadan, we crave a lot of different foods. For many of us, we don't drink coffee for 30 days and every time we're, for instance, walking into work or going back home and we cross by the nearby coffee shop and the fragrance comes to our fragrance comes to our noses and consumes us. We desire that we just were able to have a little bit of that. And that's okay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the witness. Imam Ali ibn Abdullah states, whoever is prevented from the food that he or she craves because of his fast, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will feed him and her from the food of heaven and from the drink of heaven. We pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we'll be able to soon enjoy those benefits in the proximity of the Holy Prophet and his family. Peace be upon them all. Walhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahumma ala sayyidina wa nabiyina Muhammad. Wa ala ahla baytah al-tayyibin al-tahirin. Follow Sheikh Fayaz on Twitter at Fayaz Jaffer and look out for him on Facebook.